Good evening. Thanks for listening. It's True Sleep, and I want to help you get some rest by meditating on God's Word. Uh, the Psalms call it meditating in your heart upon your bed and being still. That's what we want to do. And uh, quickly, just if you'd like to help me at all to improve this podcast, email me your thoughts on how I can improve on it to truesleepfeedback at gmail.com. And I would really appreciate hearing from you. I want to say a quick hello to listeners in Victoria, Australia. Appreciate you listening. Thank you wherever you find yourself right now for listening. I hope you are comfortable and settling in. Uh, maybe it's been a long day. Maybe it's been stressful. Maybe you've got a lot on your mind. Uh, maybe none of those things are true. It's been a great day. Uh, whatever the case, glad you are meditating on God's Word and really grateful that you're allowing me the privilege of helping you meditate on God's Word. In this episode, we're going to think about Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 8, and we will just get as far as we get. Paul is writing to the Roman Christians. Uh, he's just sort of introduced the letter, um, giving them some preliminary greetings, and now he's, get, he's getting started here in verse 8. He says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So the first thing he wants to do is just let them know how grateful he is for them. That's uh, it's such a refreshing thing to hear. He is grateful for these people, and they are not perfect. They have issues. That's why he's writing, ultimately, is to try to correct some of their misunderstandings about the gospel and encourage them on the right track, living the Christian life. But he is really grateful for these Roman Christians. Now, he doesn't just puff them up with praise. He's just letting them know that he thanks God for them. He says, first, I thank my God, which I think is interesting. Uh, he doesn't just thank God. He thanks his God. His relationship with God is very personal and real. And God is not a distant idea to him. He's not a lofty philosophy. He is his very God, his creator, his maker, his God. So let's just put the brakes on right here for a moment. Um, put the car in park and dwell on this. Okay. Think about your relationship with God. Is God more like a distant idea or philosophy to you, or is he your God? Do you feel that through your faith in Jesus and your reconciliation with God, your creator and maker, you could talk this way, that, that God is your God? And then secondly, do you do like Paul does here? Do you express thanks to your God? When's the last time you just paused to thank God for anything? Okay, maybe you do that at mealtimes. That's, that's a common practice, but let's just sit thanking God for the food in front of you aside for a moment, although that is really good and important. I'm glad you do that if you do that, and I would encourage you to do that if you don't. When's the last time you, in prayer or spoken out loud, 
or in song or in your heart and just genuinely express gratitude to God for any of his blessings. Why don't we take some time to do that right now? Just think through, form a mental list and just in your mind to say, God, thank you for fill in the blank. Just let the things you're grateful for, the blessings in your life come to mind and toss them toward God with gratitude, thanking him. Paul is thankful for the Roman Christians. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. So Paul's always thinking doctrinally and theologically. He's always keeping things straight. So he doesn't just thank his God. He thanks his God through Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus that we can express thanks to God, that we can express anything to God, that we can have any kind of relationship with God. So... I always want to make sure I'm not going to assume that just because you're listening to a scripture meditation podcast, that you are indeed a Christian, that you have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And I just want to explain how it works. So God created you to have a relationship with him in which you worship him and obey him and serve him and enjoy him. But your sin has separated you from him, just like it was the case for me and every other human being. To solve that problem that we couldn't solve on our own, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life that we have failed to live and died on the cross for our sins and was buried and rose from the grave three days later. And he said, Jesus preached that all those who turn from their sins and trust in him as their savior and follow him as their Lord are forgiven of all their sins, past, present, and future, reconciled to their God and creator and filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to live in relationship with him. So have you trusted in Jesus as your savior? Have you given your life over to following Jesus as your Lord? If not, that is the only thing you need to be thinking about right now. You need to trust and follow Jesus. You need to turn from your sins and receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. You need to pray right now. Father, I don't understand everything, but I want to trust and follow Jesus. I want to turn from my sins. I want to be reconciled to you. Would you please save me through Jesus? And then the first step you need to take the next time you're you're up and out of bed and taking steps is to get in touch with a local pastor and tell them what you have experienced and ask for guidance and help, how to move forward, how to be baptized, how to join a church. That's all you need to do. And if you haven't done that, it's no wonder you feel restless. You're separated from your God. Now, if you have done that, if you're a Christian, this is just a good reminder that 
our ability to pray and thank God is through Jesus Christ. That's our avenue. He is the mediator. Uh, we are not um, those who have cleaned ourselves up and who have our own merits and are worthy to talk to God. But through Jesus, we can approach God boldly like children coming to their father. That's what Paul does. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, the entire group of Christians in Rome that he's writing to, all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So why is Paul grateful for all these Roman Christians? Is it because they're super fun and they have a lot of laughs together when they're together? Or is it because they, they are uh, just stupendous people? No, it's really what he's grateful for is their faith. That's what he longs to see in the churches that he's working to establish is faith. Faith in Jesus. And he's grateful that their faith is proclaimed in all the world. So as an apostle, that's Paul's heart's desire, is to see faith in Jesus proclaimed in all the world. And it's the faith that the Romans now, these Roman Christians have been swept up into. It's the faith that I pray you are swept up into. And it's a spreading faith that keeps spreading into all the world. That's, that's what Jesus' intentions were. Let's read on into verse 9. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So this is really interesting. He starts verse 9 calling for God himself as a witness for what he's about to say. For God is my witness. He's saying, I am telling you the absolute truth, it, really in the most extreme terms possible. He is saying, this is true. God is my witness, the same God that I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. What is it that he wants them to, to believe? He says, God is my witness that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. This is just such um, extreme language. Without ceasing, always, God is my witness. He is all the time remembering the Romans in his prayers. He's grateful for them. He's expressing gratitude to God for them. But he's also asking that somehow, by God's will, he can at last succeed in coming to them. So you get the sense that maybe there's some suspicion among the Romans that Paul didn't really want to come visit them, maybe, and he's trying to reassure them that he absolutely thinks of them all the time. They're always present in his prayers and that he desperately wants to come and see them and is asking God for that privilege all the time. But I guess it hasn't worked out up to this stage. But you get here this um, sense of what the relationship was like between the Apostle Paul and the Christians and the churches that he was establishing. He loved them. He prayed for them. He was grateful for them. He loved to see them. He wanted to be with them. As I record this, we're still really um, baby-stepping out of the pandemic. And it, we were separated for a lot of that. And I think a lot of people got kind of comfortable being separated. But when you read the New Testament, you see that they wanted to be together. 
and they would overcome great distances and great trouble, especially these apostles, to be present with the churches that they were establishing. Now, it's relatively easy for us to be present together, uh, but just I want you to think about your presence with your fellow church members. And I don't know everybody who listens to this. Actually, I don't know anybody personally who listens to this, uh, but I see that we have a group, not a huge group. I'm looking at the dashboard right now. We have a group. It says here of about 44 unique listeners. Uh, so this is not a huge sweeping podcast, but uh, I don't know. It says estimated audience of 66. I don't know. I don't know what any of that stuff means. But my point is, I don't know all of you, and some possible scenarios are out there. One, you are not a member of a church. I think that's a pretty likely scenario based on other statistics. So you may consider yourself a Christian, but you may not also be a member of a church. And I want to encourage you, if that's the case, join a church. Join a church that meets pretty close to where you live. Because you need to be physically present with your fellow Christians. It is extremely important. Another scenario, you are a member of a church, but it's a very imperfect church. If you are a member of a church, I guarantee it's an imperfect church. uh, Because we're just all so imperfect. And that's okay. That's actually part of the design. Uh, A phrase I keep coming across in books these days is, it's a feature, not a bug, that your church is imperfect. Those imperfections are your chance to demonstrate Christ-like mercy, grace, patience, and forgiveness and love toward your fellow Christians. So if you've been using that as a reason to not be present with your church family uh, whenever you possibly can, uh, you need to repent of that and turn away from that. You need to be with your church family. And then another scenario is you're a Christian and you're deeply involved with your church, and that's great. I just applaud that. I encourage you to keep that up and know that maybe even if it doesn't always feel fruitful, just your presence there is valuable. Lean into it and keep it up. It's very important. But I want to I leave you with that note of just thinking about the church. Uh, it's so much easier to think about the negatives of church, but I want you to just catalog the positives of your local church as you get some rest. And let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this dear listener. Lord, I pray that you would bless him or her with uh, just a peaceful, joyful faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and a life of closeness with you as their God and that they would uh, take, take steps to become more involved with their church family and that you would guide all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.